Jennifer Polymus from Shalote, North Carolina, and this is Barbecue Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is the show that talks about all things that are important in the world of barbecue and grilling. This show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire fun and frivolity show. If you'd like to get in contact with the show or you want to follow the show during off-show hours, here's how you do all that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at the bbqcentralshow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. Just an advanced warning in case you didn't get that newsletter. First two interviews are going to be, let's call it beef or meat heavy. For instance, first hour, 914 and 935. We'll be welcoming in the first time guest, a co-founder of a company called Colorado Craft Beef. Jeff Smith will be joining us. So we'll get some background on Jeff, if he's always been in the ranching steer beef business, if not, how he got into it. And then we'll obviously delve deeply into what Colorado Craft Beef is all about, what they're bringing to the market, how you could get your hands on some if you're so inclined, and talk about where beef and the market is in general. So plenty of beef talk to go around that first hour again that'll take place 14 and 35 past nine o'clock and then we will move to the second hour where we will find another first time guest to the show you if you're a fight fan you might recognize the name from the octagon you'll never find me in an octagon (laughs) never wow no way however Outside of being a highly accomplished and decorated MMA fighter for UFC and Strike Force and a lot of those sanctioning bodies, he's turned his attention to beef and not only beef, Wagyu beef. We will be welcoming the co-founder of Browsy Acres, Travis Brown. Yes, indeed. So we will continue the meat and beef talk with Travis. We'll learn about how you go from being an elite world-class fighter and striker to somebody who now has an infinite passion for raising the best 
wagyu cattle that you can possibly raise getting them to market how they're doing that who they partner with they're doing all themselves learn all about it and then closing the show tonight we're going to the bullpen and we're not going for the junker we're not looking somebody to manage the game we're looking for somebody with straight gas and guess what i found him the owner of bart's barbecue Bart.barbecue on Instagram. Dustin Bart's joins the show. Now that I look at the roster, all first-time guests here on this show. So because it is an extra week in the month already here as we're new in 2024, we have a full roster of first-time guests here on the show. Jeff Smith, Colorado Craft Beef, our number one, and then an hour number two, Travis Brown, Browsy Acres, and Dustin Bart's of Bart's Barbecue. And boy, am I looking forward to talking with Dustin as we close out the show here. So that's how the show is laying out here this evening. Don't forget, you can follow me socially, Instagram, X, TikTok, Snapchat. Of course, we say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook, which is facebook.com slash BBQ Central Show. You can also go over to Twitter twitter.com slash bbq central show and you can also watch on youtube which is youtube.com slash at bbq central show and we have a youtube poll question of the week brand new asking everybody including all guests if i gave you five grand in cash you would eat raw chicken for two straight weeks and currently 92 percent of you are saying nope when the poll opened, it was very close within those first seven or eight votes. Within five or six percent, yes and no's. It is scaled dramatically into the no's, 92% to 8%. I'm part of the 92%. This is a bit of a staged question, and we'll get into more of that here in the second hour. So let's start here tonight. I was shocked. To hear from many of you over the past week, my age and older, that you had not had your colonoscopies done. I said my piece last week. I'm not going to get into it again. But for those handful of hours in which you are inconvenienced, the payoff is well worth it. Remember, colon cancer diagnoses or diagnoses are happening earlier, not later in age. So demand from your physician that you get one in the books for 2024. Let's all band together. Let's get it done as a group so we can remove that concern. And let's not live with our head in the sand. It's happening. So I was a little bit shocked, and I encouraged every one of you that reached out to me, just book it, get it done, and be done with it. You'll be happier to either know what's happening or know there's nothing happening. Here's something that I never thought about. Until recently, for all the years I've watched Memphis and May happen, for all the years I've talked to the past winners, I had no idea there was such an undercurrent of politics associated with that event and now the new Smoke Slam event. Let me lay everything out for you as it relates to this show so that we're all on the same page as it relates to both of these events. Number one, I will follow Memphis and May. I will look to interview the winner when that happens this year. Number two, I will follow Smoke Slam. I will look to interview that winner after it happens this year. I will continue to report on updates 
from either event as they come in because that's what I do on the show. Number four, if Smoke Slam wanted to advertise their event on this show, which they should, I would be interested in that. And if Memphis and May wanted to advertise on the show, which they should, I would also be interested in that. Outside of all that, let me give you my hot take on what the barbecue teams should be doing. Unless your team name is Big Bob Gibson or Jack's Old South, you should be going to Smoke Slam this year. A lot of you don't want to hear that, but that's what you should be doing. Or you should at least be putting in an application so you have choices. And from what I hear, Smoke Slam might be capped at 100 teams the first time around. So there isn't going to be huge availability. Not that that's a shocker because we knew what happened last year as they revamped Tom Lee Park. And that squeezed the total number of teams available for last year. So no huge surprise. This year for Smoke Slam, it'll be the easiest year to win. You have big teams that are going to stick with Memphis in May because they are allegiant to that event, at least for now. Why not take the chance this year to try and clear off $65,000 in prize money or more? Mark my words, gang, assuming this event sticks around, and it will at least for the short term, it's never going to be easier to win than it will be this year. You can always go back to Memphis in May, but this year at Smoke Slam, it's the best chance for a cash grab especially for the teams that don't even get a sniff at Memphis and May. Here's a chance for those teams to win some real money. By the way, you don't have to spend an arm and a leg to do smoke slam like you would Memphis and May as an added bonus. And if you're interested, you win any of the main categories, shoulder, whole hog, or ribs, you get a golden ticket to World Food Championships. You win any of the ancillary categories. In addition, not only can you win prize money, you can get a golden ticket to the World Food Championships. So some feature or some value adds to winning the categories and potentially winning the whole thing. It doesn't end with huge money and the title of first-time Smoke Slam champion. You can now go down to the World Food Championships if you want and try your hand against those competitors. This is the easiest year to win. Don't get caught up in nonsense. All right, we got Jeff Smith ready to go. We're going to be talking some Colorado craft beef here in a moment. Before we do that, let me ask you a question. You tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences? Of course, it's time to step your game up and bring the ultimate flavor and cooker to the backyard barbecues. Pits and Spits Charcoal Grills offering the highest quality live fire cooking experience you can get in the market today. Using either wood or charcoal, their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have the time to fire up the grill and cook for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower the fire to control and fine-tune the heat. Their take on the very popular Santa Maria-style grill that you're seeing all over the place. Check them out online. Pits and Spits, all spelled out, dot com slash BBQ Central. And that's the double T on the Pits and the Spits, pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. And then as you're checking out, use promo code 
Charcoal Central. Charcoal Central. And it will save you $150 off any charcoal grill that they have for sale over at the Pits and Spits website. Or maybe you're at a dealer. Let them know you want that deal as well, right in person. Charcoal Central. Get you $150 off any charcoal grill. Go to the website pitsandspits.com slash Central. We are back to start the beef and meat talk right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookingPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookingPellets.com to see what they have, and then when you're ready to purchase... Go to Amazon.com, go to Walmart.com, or go to Lowe's.com. Same great selection, great shipping rate. Good folks over at CookingPellets.com. One of the items that the Embedded Correspondents and I have talked about over the last handful of years is the growth of available artisan beef in this country. The term is becoming much more commercialized, recognizable by even the most green live fire cook and beef eater. But where is the meat itself coming from and how is it being brought to market? My next guest is going to tell us his story out of Akron, Colorado. First timer to this show. We race to the hotline and welcome in co-owner of the Colorado Craft Beef Company, Jeff Smith, joining us. Jeff, appreciate you joining me here this evening. Before we get going on all the beef talk, we have a YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking everybody. And it's simply this. If I gave you five thousand dollars cash you would eat raw chicken for two weeks straight yes or no false absolutely false 88 percent of the youtube voting public are in agreement with you and me there's no way i'm doing it it's a, it's a bit of a setup question i'm going to get to in the second hour but just wondering where the temperature of raw chicken and central lights is and the guests here so good to hear about that before we get into the background of the business jeff What's your deal? Where you grow up and have you always been into ranching or have you lived other lives previous to this? So I actually grew up in Pendleton, Oregon. So anybody familiar with Pendleton Wool, uh, the Pendleton Whiskey, a very large rodeo town in northeastern Oregon. So I did grow up around ranching. uh, But with regard to what we do within the beef company, my wife is really the cow brains behind what we do. Uh, she's got a master's degree in cow nutrition. Uh, believe it or not, that is a thing. Uh, I am a bona fide numbers dork that married up. So, <laughs> like accountant numbers dork or sales or what? Oh yeah, uh, all of the above. I have a background in general management, a background in heavy corporate sales, and actually, I'm also a recovering private equity guy. <laughs> so. Luckily, I bring another skill set to the ranching world that maybe some of my brothers and sisters in agriculture don't really have. 
you could probably spend most of this segment giving us the history of Colorado craft beef. I do think it's important to get a foundation of where this whole thing started. So give me a little background there and what the evolution has been like since fifth generation has taken over. Sure. So my wife is the fifth generation and the coolest part is the fourth generation, my father-in-law is still actually operating the commercial side of the ranch. So what we've done is actually tipped up our own business in homage to the four generations that came before us as a way to take the ranch to another generation. And that is coming from, uh, you know, conversations we had with my father-in-law about secession planning and, you know, seeing the dynamics of ranching and more of the price taker model if you're in a full commodity business uh, versus, you know, building value and building a tribe and being able to make your own price when you have great quality. When you're just having off the cuff discussions with your father-in-law, especially maybe earlier on in your relationship, you see he's a farmer and it's through generations. I mean, is there no question that your wife is going to be taking over the reins at some point or get involved in the family business? Or was there talk from him saying, hey, figure out something else because this doesn't feel like it's got continued generational success and growth? I would say, Greg, it kind of landed in the middle. Uh, he wanted to know that we wanted to come back and he wanted to know that, or he wanted us to know that the high end corporate jobs we had at the time were pretty lucrative. You know, maybe you shouldn't look that particular gift horse in the mouth. Uh, and even when we started the beef company, he was a little, a little hesitant. He's like, guys, I don't know. I don't know. And I said, man, we come from sales. So this is really where we should be. And, uh, I'm happy to say that seven years later, uh, he is full steam behind the company, happy to help us with whatever we're doing. Uh, so I think to some degree, we've proven our metal, if you will, um, because there's nothing worse than somebody that gets handed something like that and runs it into the ground. Give me a look between what your father-in-law has done and then you're talking about kind of propping up and getting this Colorado craft uh, beef company off the ground. Why are they separate and, and why wasn't there one previous to you guys putting it up? Sure. So my father-in-law is very, very smart in the cattle industry. Uh, he works in the markets really heavily and he's grown the ranch with all of his skill sets uh, without getting too far into his business. I mean, six or eight fold of what it was when he got it. Um, and he's he's had a lot of other struggles through the through the years of... Uh, kind of the same thing that most of ag has struggled with, poor secession planning, other things that really hinder generational businesses. Um, and quite frankly, my father-in-law is damn good at what he does. And when he goes home to the ranch, he wants to go home to the ranch. Uh, this would not be his jam. <laughs> uh, he, he would not be so excited or inclined to go talk to the public mm. uh, and to do this artisan beef and really engage with the community that is the barbecue community or other communities we work within, you've got to be a salesperson. You've got to want to go work that angle. And frankly, in a lot of the traditional agricultural models, the profitability is not there to go do things like this or travel to events because you're too busy working because you can't afford to pay somebody. So previous to this whole company that you and your wife are starting, father-in-law's got a herd he's grown the amount and then 
he just has customers that he's selling the herd off to and that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So in the commercial beef space, what you have is you have cow-calf operators, you have yearling operators, you have feedlot operators, and then you have the packers, which are JBS, Tyson, Cargill, uh, National Beef. Yep. My father-in-law operates in the yearling space. So he buys calves from other producers. This ranch that I'm sitting on right now is not set up for mother cows. Uh, we don't have hay ground. It's not economically feasible. So one ranch typically cannot do what other ranches do. Uh, so he's optimized his market um, being closer to the feeding sector, closer to the harvest sector, where he can be the middleman between those calf producers and the end users, you know, i.e. the packers that are providing all this product into the barbecue world. In 2006, when I started the first essences of the Barbecue Central show, there didn't seem to be people cared about beef, meat, but there certainly was no thought about just going to the grocery store or local butcher, getting whatever they had. You weren't asking questions. Fast forward to where we are here in 2024, and then maybe even seven, eight years previous to where we are today, there did seem to be a concerted request from the consumer that we want to know more about the beef. We want to know where almost like we're talking about varietals of wine or premium hand rolled cigars or, or things like this, where you can actually track back. When do you see the beef movement starting? In other words, consumers starting to care about where their beef is coming from. A lot of that started about the late 90s, early 2000s with that nat the first time we ever heard natural and organic, right? Natural and organic turned into sustainable farming and now sustainable farming has turned into regenerative agriculture. It's different buzzwords that kind of drive the industry, um, but also with the advent of the internet, YouTube, uh, different documentaries that frankly, have showcased some of the ugly side of agriculture that, you know, people have been caught mistreating animals. People don't want that. And people have luckily with the internet been able to connect directly to a consumer uh, to ask the questions that matter to them. And that's certainly what we encourage everybody to do. Uh, the one thing I will say though, uh, back to, you know, even the nineties, all the beef in the grocery store is nutritious. It's healthy. It's all inspected literally in the same process our stuff is inspected in. So contrary to a lot of the uh, competitors we have in the direct-to-consumer space, we don't talk bad about the commercial space because we have to have that product or physically we can't feed people. You use some terms, natural, organic, regenerative, uh, feeding, whatever. How much of that is true and how much is gimmick, especially on natural and organic? There doesn't appear to be any real labels or ways to quantify that or at least no mandate to do that. So how do you do it? Oh uh, man, that's a, that could be a whole segment. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a great example uh, that the barbecue community will laugh at. So if you talk natural, the word natural in the cattle community, now in cattle, I'm talking live cattle on pasture or in a feed yard, you know, going into the meat chain, the word natural means no antibiotics, no extra hormones, all the stuff you would expect. The problem is once they become protein, the word natural means or no artificial ingredients and minimally processed. So the same word means different things in different parts of the industry. Mm. So 
what I recommend for anybody that really wants to understand the labels, the labels can be gimmicky, they can be valuable, but man, parsing through that is pretty tough. So if it really matters, find a producer you want to talk to. That doesn't have to be me. There's producers all over the country. Um, Shipping is a nightmare. That's one of the biggest issues we have with our company, Um, but it can be done. Uh, We ship nationally every week, but most importantly is understand that the price point you're going to pay when you're going direct to a rancher is likely going to be a little higher than what you're used to. Our cost of production is higher. We don't have the scale of economy that the large packers have. Uh, So luckily we are fully integrated. We have our own processing facility. We have our own feed yard. We have our own ranch. And even then our cost of production is 20 to 30% higher than the commercial market. Um, So just understand that in that you're going to pay a little more, but What we can do is all of our cattle, when we hang them up in the processing plant, they're aged as a whole animal for 21 days. That's something you're not going to get in the commercial space. It obviously takes more money, but it's about, you know, where do you want to vote with your dollar? And when it comes down to the label conversation, that's usually what I tell people, you know, find what you like, vote with your dollar and support that part of the system that you want to get behind. Are people looking for businesses like yours in this day or are you more likely to spark somebody's interest through a marketing campaign or instagram post or something like that or is it better question is are more people finding you are you finding more of your own customers so prior to covid it was more of us having to find the customers uh COVID and the shortages that people saw, which by the way, were not beef shortages. They were trucking shortages. It was a logistics thing. More people want to know that they have an ability to get product when they need it because you can't go to the Walmart manager and be like, hey, where's my stuff? Uh, So there's been a huge shift since 2020 that has driven people. And then probably what you saw in the barbecue community, everybody was locked at home for six to 10 months. Most people bought grills. I know five or six people that bought big green eggs. They started cooking their meat at home. They started watching YouTube videos from probably a number of people that you you follow as well as we do. And they learned to cook at home and they realized that, hey, this steak I'm getting at home is better than I can get for $100 in downtown Denver and I don't have to wear pants. So <laughs> the barbecue side of things has really sparked an interest where people see the meat quality difference that I don't think they were quite aware of before COVID. As the demand for your meat starts to roll in, what conversations are you having to try and leverage that demand as an increase in your business? So that's actually what drove us to purchase the harvest facility. Uh, We purchased the harvest facility in August. Uh, We partnered with some people that love barbecue, uh, Jocko Willink, uh, some of the founders of Jocko Fuel. uh, And we partnered with a lot of veterans, uh, Dr. Sean Baker, the carnivore doctor. uh, And we bought the harvest facility because as demand grew, we were to a point that we had to control our own supply chain. Um, That's been the biggest thing for us is quality is a number one. There's no, there's no way to uh, begin to even flex on quality because that's what we built the brand on. So we had to shore up that potential issue by buying the facility. And now we can, uh, we can really grow um, in a way that a lot of people in our space can't. Because as an example, the harvest slots we were using in November this year, 
we spoke for at the end of 2021. So you have a two-year gap trying to project where a company's going and you do some great collaboration with the barbecue guy and all of a sudden you're out of product. Yeah. Like it, it, it's a an evil chicken and egg conversation we've been fighting with and now uh, we've got that kind of locked down. So it's been a, we've had a lot of movement in the last six to 12 months. How does that conversation introduce itself as far as buying that production facility? You go up to the guy that runs it and say, hey, we're ready to buy you out because we're sick of having to guess two years in advance? Um, that's how it started. <laughs> Luckily, uh, the gentleman that owned it uh, was actually a classmate of mine from Colorado State University. Uh, so I asked him about three times if we could buy it, and he told me no. <laughs> and then he finally went and had a cup of coffee with me and said, why? And my, my answer was, hey, man, we both have solid businesses. They're doing well. Our kids are never going to go hungry. But if we join forces and we get some of this marketing potential behind us, what we're talking about is a movement in the food industry that we can show other people the way. And there's going to be a little risk involved. But I think if we team up, we'll be bigger than we could ever be individually. And, uh, you know, that conversation was two years ago. And here we are. So is he still running the, the plant? You guys just happen to own it. He's doing operations still. I'm happy to say that he reinvested some of his proceeds. He is now a business partner with oh, the group. Nice. Uh, he runs the harvest facility. We never changed a person on the team. We never missed a day of production. We, I Actually, I still don't have keys to the building. I don't know if I should <laughs> say that, but... <laughs> You've mentioned in other interviews that there were money people that would have been happy to throw some money your way to assist in securing the harvest facility. But you had reservations about what else they could bring to the table aside from money. Had you not found the people you had mentioned a couple minutes ago, would you have waited to do this part of the deal or would you have done it anyway? I think we still would have gotten it done, but I think our projections and our trajectory would have been a little more flat. Uh, I don't think we could have counted on some of the marketing horsepower. Uh, because a lot of that marketing horsepower is a lot of money. It's a very expensive proposition when you're uh, you know, going toe-to-toe with some of the national brands trying to compete in this premium space. Um, so I think we still would have got it done, but we'd have had to temper some of our growth strategies a little bit. Could you have done a full swing on your own? With, or did you need some kind of an investor to pull it off? Uh, to get the cash to buy and continue to operate, we definitely needed an influx of cash. So now that you have these great partners that you feel good about, what's the expectation from them to Colorado Craft Beef as far as making their investment worthwhile? The good, the good thing about it and the reason this partnership works so well is those guys are about the mission. They are about American manufacturing. They're about American jobs. They're about reshoring American manufacturing in as many ways as they can. Uh, so one of their brands is Origin USA. They actually weave their own cloth, their their own cloth from Texas yarn, fabricate everything in Maine and North Carolina. Actually, this is one of their jackets I'm wearing right now. Crazy high quality stuff. So what I would say is there are expectations as there should be in business, but these expectations are a lot more focused on the, the people 
the mission, the communities, and the outreach. Because I learned from one of my corporate sales guys long, long ago, man, if you do business just for the money, you're going to be lonely. He goes, you do good business, the money will come. And that's one of the main reasons these partners have been so great to work with is they understand what we're building and they're a few years ahead of us in a lot of their companies. So some of the learning lessons we're getting from them is just incredible because they've paid the tuition (laughs) and they're told they're giving us the cheat code. Let's go back to the processing facility just for a second. Has there been talk about taking on other ranchers outside of Colorado craft beef to help with the production or not production, but help with the the harvesting and the the processing of of their herds as well? Mm -hmm. Or is it just captive for you guys? So actually when we bought it, it already had other customers in it. So the first 30 to 60 days was me and Mike, our business partner that owned the facility, getting on the phone and letting people know we weren't kicking them out. So there was a ton of relationship management that had to go. And we're, we're actually working with some of our direct competitors harvest in our facility now. And we're happy to help them because, you know, I can't feed all of Denver. I, I don't want to be that business guy. Um, as we get more going with the beef company, we have an opportunity to expand the facility. That will be the move previous to asking people to leave. <laughs> um now, there are efficiencies we're gaining, their scale of economy and all those other business terms. But you know, by and large, our goal is not to upset the local economy because there's maybe three processing plants within an hour of where I'm sitting. Mm. And there's other people in our ranching community that depend on that asset for their operation. And I find it morally objectionable to just walk in and you know bar the door. Jeff, can I put you on hold real quick and then we'll come back and actually talk about what we can expect from the beef as a consumer? Yeah, please do. All right, stand by. We're talking with Jeff Smith from Colorado Craft Beef. By the way, the website, if you want to check it out, coloradocraftbeef.com. You can find them on Instagram as well, Colorado Craft Beef. 21,000 of you are following them right now. What do we love about ceramic cookers? few different things. We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for the traditional barbecue meats. We also love that they can get rip-roaring hot for the high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire, cook with confidence. However, Getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. And a Primo grill in the game-changing oval design, the shape gives you the ability to execute that two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. And when you break it down, you can configure the Primo 60 different ways to cook on. So you're only limited by your culinary imagination. Only sold through dealers. So find one near you by going to primogrill.com, do the dealer network locator, and then visit in person. Check out all the different size ovals that they have. I have an extra large on the side of my house. I recommend that unless you have a very small family or you're just not into it, but you want the Primo, get the XL. No one has ever regretted buying big, always regretting 
not buying enough. We don't want to live with regret. We don't want buyer's remorse. None of that. So make sure you go to primogrill.com, find the dealer near you, visit in person, and then buy the one that best fits your needs. And don't forget the accessories. They got the Primo Grill pizza accessory. They have the Primo Grill rotisserie accessory, just to name a few. So if you love the accessories, and we all do with all the cookers that we have, I mean, you really end up spending more on the accessories than you do on the cooker when it all comes down to it. Primogrill.com. And we're back with Jeff Smith right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion being brought to you by Fireboard Monitor, up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. Connect via Bluetooth if you prefer. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant or other smart speakers in your home, you're locked Fireboard integrated with those. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or you call 816-945-2232 and ask all your questions. It's the gang over at Fireboard. All right, we got Jeff Smith back with us. Jeff, I have a question coming in from the instant chat that I didn't have on my outline, so let's ask it while it's right here in front of my face before we lose it in the scroll. Is beef better or different raised at elevation? It would depend. So you have to consider uh, there's actually a sickness called a brisket sickness, which is altitude sickness for cattle. So if we take cattle from where we're at, at 5,000 feet or so, and we send them up to steamboat, some of them can get altitude sickness. I would say from a meat quality standpoint, that's unlikely. But if, if you get up into Breckenridge, for instance, you have to consider how they're going to get the right feed to Breckenridge, how they're going to do that at scale, how they're going to then haul those cattle down the mountain to where they're going to be harvested. There could be other implications just from the logistics, but maybe I'll have to send you an email, Greg. I, <laughs> I do not think there's going to be a meat quality issue Um directly from altitude there's just other things that could contribute to that that could cause an issue by and large centralites are up to speed on grades of beef and what the general expectations are so how is your meat unique so the aging i talked about is a big one uh and the reason that we have harvested every cattle or every calf that we have taken through the program with mike's facility is because Mike is a meat nerd from way back. Uh, when we were in college, he ran the meat lab at CSU. Uh, so an interesting story. There's another cattle rancher near us that they harvest about 50 head a year. I've had their brisket out of three separate packing facilities that are all local, small regional facilities like ours. All three have a very different flavor. So what's most interesting, especially in the small niche beef world, my wife and I, when we started the company, were like, you know, maybe 50% cattle, 50% actually how the carcass is handled for meat quality. We have actually switched that to 
90-10. 90-10 being the facility, 10% being the cattle. I'm not saying you don't need good cattle, but you can mess up good cattle with the wrong cooler settings mm. and you can make not so great cattle way better if you handle them correctly. Um, and that is something that uh, I, I don't want to name drop anybody, but we're of course doing a lot of media right now. I've got people that are basically like, hey, you know, how do we know we want to work with you? And I send them steak. The deal is locked. <laughs> They're like, how do we make this happen? This is the best steak I've ever had. Mm. Um, but the coolest part for us, and this is a, I, I saw this with my own eyes. So our oldest daughter was born November, uh, right before COVID. So about April of 22. So she was about a year and a half old. We needed, to, I needed to run back to Oregon to pick up some equipment. Uh, my wife was pregnant with our second. So my sister flew out from Oregon, jumped in a pickup with me. We loaded my year and a half old daughter up and drove to Oregon from Colorado. Wow. Well, we, we stopped and I was like, you know, we'll get her a burger because she'll eat the burger and then she'll go to sleep and we'll drive all night. She ate the bacon, the cheese, and that was it yeah. because it wasn't our burger. And we've had, I can't tell you how many parents that are our customers say, my kid won't eat any other burger but yours. And anybody that I love the guys that call, well, how are your ribeyes? I'm like, man, if you can't grow a good ribeye, you got big problems. Right. But I think the deal is sealed when you try a burger because it's 21 day aged whole cut burger, uh, all from our 21 day age carcasses. And just the quality is unmatched. What's a typical life cycle for one of the cattle? So typically those calves are going to be born in March or April about uh, maybe early as February in our region, depending on which rancher is growing them. They're going to be weaned off those mother cows somewhere between August and October. They come to us. They go to our backgrounding yard, our little feed yard that's not too far from the ranch. Uh, we get them weaned. We get their health straight. They hang out on a growing ration so that we can grow frame, not muscle. Then in April, they're going to go out in the pasture that's 40 feet behind me or the one that's across the road or wherever out here on the ranch. And they're typically on grass until somewhere between August and October based on rainfall, because we're in the Eastern Plains of Colorado and there's not a whole lot of uh, <laughs> non-Mother Nature cycled irrigation out here. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know a few years ago, my father-in-law had to ship in July, but last year we didn't ship cattle till October. We had a great summer. Uh, then they'll go into the they'll go back to the same feed yard that we own for about 120 days, and they go to the harvest facility. Um, what's interesting though is we have built that system so we are constantly rotating so that we have product year round. Uh, where a lot of our competitors are, you know, hey, we harvest in October, we do this little run, and that's it. Um, we realize that not everybody wants to buy a half of beef once a year. And, you know, sometimes you want to have a special party and you don't want to have to spend a grand to do it. When you talk about the feedlot, is that grain finish? Yes, sir. Yep. Do you ever do just straight grass fed? I know there was a, I think it's died off a little bit. Maybe I could be completely wrong. It's just my suspect, but I think there was a big movement for grass fed all day long and, you know, from start to finish. I've never preferred that flavor. I always like a, at least a, a grain finish. But mm -hmm. have you tried just all grass? We have. Um, you know, we have antelope too. <laughs> they kind of have that same pungent flavor. 
Um, just for the listeners, that pungent flavor you get in that grass finished beef is actually beta carotene. So if you have that bright white fat that we're all used to seeing on grain finished critters in the US, the yellow fat is truly grass finished. And that's beta carotene in the fat. And then when they go to the feed yard and they get that concentrate ration, that concentrate flushes the beta carotene out of the fat. And that's where you get that really buttery flavor that we're all used to. Um, Less than 3% of all the beef in the U.S. is truly grass-fed and finished um, because we're one of the few countries in the world that actually has additional concentrates we can feed, i.e. corn, distillers, grains, other byproducts of different processes because of what we do as a country. Um, But our beef is in huge demand across the world. Um, There's a ton of demand for our product over in Eastern Asia because that's the first thing some of those people in poverty use to step out of that poverty place Mm -hmm. is to upgrade their protein. Um, I have no issue with grass finished. I know some people like the flavor. That's not been my jam. Um, my only issue sometimes in the grass finished space is some people play fast and loose with how they determine that to sell product. Uh, so no, we are grain finished. Uh, we have PhD licensed doctor nutritionists that monitor our rations every month. Uh, everything's very calculated. I mean, down to the fact that I can look on my phone right now, tell you exactly what's on what scale at the yard, what the trucks are doing. It's all digital, um, in a way that, you know, when somebody's like, oh, what did this calf do? It's all tracked. For years, I see this guy, Jack Arnold, and he's cooking cow steaks, K-O-W. All of a sudden, something's changed. Maybe the biggest coup in the live fire barbecue entertainer, barbecue influencer world is Colorado craft beef making some type of an agreement with Jack, who is obviously a great cook. He's very partial to the big green egg. I'm a primo guy myself, but we both can agree that we love ceramic cookers. He's Mm -hmm. cooking and entertaining. He's dancing. He's doing all this outside of the box stuff. But in the end, he's really bringing awareness to the brands that he's representing. How do you, first of all, I can't believe Kyle let him get away. How do you guys put this deal together and secure really what is got to be a stalwart anchor in the whole Instagram, social media, let's get the word out about Colorado craft beef? You know, it's uh, tantamount to how we got the deal done with Jocko and everybody else. It's relationships, it's good product, and it's doing good business. And when, you know, when Jack can call us and say, I have an idea, can we do this? We have our own harvest facility. I can do whatever you want. That creates a lot of value for somebody like Jack. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I, I really think the product quality is a big one. And, you know, that's something we're not a Wagyu operation. We are uh, Angus based to moderate frame size. So you don't have steaks that are too big. Um, we do a lot of genetic testing uh, and DNA mo- DNA monitoring of the genome so that we can understand cattle or the cattle individual cows' uh, ability and propensity to marble. How long are they going to take to feed? So it's an exceptionally science-driven model that uh, nothing against cow. I've had their product. Their packaging is exceptional. I love that little gold sticker. 
um, it's something we can do. And, you know, Wagyu particularly is a little less efficient on the cattle side Mm. and we can do it in less time. So our price point is a little bit lower. Our quality is higher than most people would expect. And, you know, you don't have to spend $250 on a whole tenderloin roast for Christmas. What does Colorado craft beef grayed out at? Are you prime choice, upper choice? Uh, usually higher choice than prime. Yeah. I think the last batch we just did was like 35% prime. But the interesting part is when you pull that 21 day age on everything and do that flash freeze, the grade is almost secondary to the aging. Unless you want that Instagram shot mm. of that prime ribeye like yep. on the ceramic before you flip it, then it's pretty hard to beat that. <laughs> you ever talk about maybe reserving a couple carcasses and running them out 60, 90 days? In the harvest facility, that'd be a little hard because there's some... There, it's called the HACCP plan, H-A-A-C-P, which is actually like the food safety plan in the facility uh, that you're not allowed to do certain things. So I would have to look to see if we mm. could do that with the HACCP plan. Uh, I think your shrink would be pretty rough, uh, but I, we do have some friends that have taken some of our product out to that 45, 90 day mark mm. Mm. Uh, and it's pretty awesome. So Stretch a goal for Colorado crab beef. Do you look to continue to grow within the environment that you're in, or do you see yourself at some point being able to not only supply DTC, but maybe also supplying somebody like a Lafrida or some other uh, big meat butcher? I don't know that we could get to the spot that we're supplying like a Lafrida or one of them. Uh, We do have some local chefs. We do some custom stuff with, uh, but we we're making some other moves that are kind of outside the typical D to C space. Uh, so, Greg, I'll give you first look at this. This is the first media talk we've had about it. Uh, we have is, wait, all is, beef is this an exclusive? Smoked. This is an exclusive. Okay, hold on. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Greg Rempe reporting for the Breaking News Desk here in Cleveland, Ohio, the city that breaks the most live fire breaking news across the country. Nay. The Globe and Jeff Smith from Colorado Craft Beef getting ready to break an exclusive right here. Go ahead, Jeff. We are dropping our 100% beef sticks direct to consumer and going retail sometime soon in two days. Wow. It's it's not on the website yet. Uh, labels will arrive tomorrow, but product is waiting for labeling and it will ship next week. Not to ask the stupidest of stupid questions. Flavor profile-wise, similar to a beef stick, and the difference in product is chew, snap, things of this nature, or is it different across the board? Flavor is a lot less pickly than you'll find in a lot of other meat sticks. The texture is a lot more of an enjoyable bite, I would say, because some of the meat sticks you can bite into are a little dry. Mm. Uh, well, not containing any pork because a lot of people in the snack stick space include pork in the sticks so that you can decrease the cost. And the problem with the pork bite sometimes is they're a little greasy. So I would hate to tell you the hundreds of samples I've tried of other people's product over the last like six months. Uh, 
but we have three flavors dropping. We have a double original smoked. We have a smoked cracked pepper mm. and a smoked jalapeno. And the only thing I want to figure out is how to make the jalapeno a straw so that you can have the Bloody Mary on the barbecue on Sunday. But we haven't we haven't iced that idea quite yet. These will be available on the website. On the website on Thursday. All right. So two days from now. Be sure to check that out on Thursday. We're talking with Jeff Smith from Colorado Craft Beef. Again, the website is coloradocraftbeef.com, and you can follow them on social media platforms. Uh, Instagram, for instance, is Colorado Craft Beef. I assume it's mostly the same handle across social media just to keep it consistent, Jeff. Yeah, the only one that's different, I believe, is X because of their character limit. So I think it's Colo Craft Beef on X. I try to stay away from that stuff as much as possible. Uh, look, as, <laughs> as somebody who needs to have a robust social media presence uh, in order to stay relevant, my real desire to want to share everything that's going on is I've never been that guy. So it's always tough for me to want to get motivated and really put all that content out there. But when I have somebody like, uh, you know, you follow a Jack and he's very inspirational or a lot of these other folks in the live fire space. So I try and gain my inspiration uh, from them. Anything else before I let you go tonight, Jeff, or you good? Man, I just really appreciate the opportunity. And if anybody has any questions, uh, you know, phone number and email are on the top of the website. And if you find something or if you don't find what you want on the website, we have a lot of different curated options a la carte ordering is coming hmm. but if you need something custom shoot us an email we have the functionality to help you out coloradocraftbeef.com the website jeff appreciate the time and continued success greg thank you sir you got it it's jeff smith right there lots of great beef talk lots of great business talk going on there really interesting i mean this is a guy himself who was not from the farming slash ranching space. This is from the wife's side. So to have two folks who were obviously away from it, but then there was a, a desire and a passion to get back to the family biz. Absolutely great to see. And then see him be able to, to branch out within the confines of the family business doing Colorado craft beef. Exceptionally interesting. So if you are in the market to try something new or you just want to add something new to try, whatever, coloradocraftbeef.com, the website, at coloradocraftbeef on Instagram if you want to follow them on social media. And then Thursday, the beef sticks are coming. How about that? Exclusive right here on this show. We love that. All right, let's go ahead and catch up on the clock. We will be back in two minutes. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. We thank Jeff Smith from Colorado Craft Beef for joining us for the last two segments. Website again, coloradocraftbeef.com. You can follow him on Instagram at coloradocraftbeef. 21,000 of you are doing that currently, falling in love with their story and potentially falling in love with their beef. 
I gotta say, business move wise, that was a big muff on Cow Steak's part. I have no idea what kind of business Cow Steak runs. Maybe they had somebody else earmarked to do some of that social media and influencing stuff. I don't know. But to let that guy go, who was, in my estimation, such an integral part of the social media portion and the grilling shows that he does and the four season cooks that he does, Cal seemed to be pretty integrated into all of that. To let him go or to not resign him or whatever and then have Colorado Craft Beef come in and swoop him up. Wow. <laughs> That's the coup of the end of 2023 or beginnings of 2024 here. We'll mark that down and check out other coups that happened during the course of the year. All right, we are set to go to the second hour. We'll update you on the poll. I'm happy to say, as I'm quickly looking over here to my right, seeing where the poll percentages are, trending the way I was hoping it was going to trend. I don't know. We'll learn more about it here in just a second. So refresh your libations, and we will hit the second hour where you will find an interview with Travis Brown, and you will find an interview with Dustin Bart from Bart's Barbecue. Travis Brown and Brown's The Acres. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. 